Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. So, welcome back, Celine. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, you've not been anywhere, have you? What am I talking no, about? No, no, it feels like ages <laughs> for us because we're not used to still, we're still not used to this um weekly episodes which means every mm. other week me and you so it's not as frequent but we That's are right yes we are doing it but yes today um you know less jokes today i guess but it's quite a serious one today mm. and i guess we we normally on our podcast try to make it so that um i guess evergreen is the is the term in that mm. we we don't really do podcasts that are particularly related to world events at any particular topical, time because yeah. they they tend to go off um quite quickly so however i think this is a topic yeah. that is always in discussion and always will be in discussion it is and it would seem in a way ridiculous for a podcast called what should i think about um to ignore what's happened recently in the united states around the question of abortion mm-hmm. um so as we record this podcast it's uh, the end of June 2022, and the High Court justices in the United States, the Supreme Court, sorry, I should say, have overturned the precedent that was Roe versus Wade, uh, which gave women a constitutional right to have an abortion. Um, the overturning of that now means that each state basically has to make a decision on that. Um, and as of recording, I think subsequently a lot of states yeah, have taken advantage right. of that fact. And already it's illegal in some places, others just restricted. So it will be very different in different places. Some um, are actually making it available now to people from other states. So it's all going to become very difficult, very, um, I guess, stressful if you're in a certain situation. Um, and yeah, it's 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 quite a historic thing, really. So mm-hmm. we have talked about talking about this. We, you and I, haven't we, Celine? We've yeah. is one of the areas we said we did want to discuss because it is mm-hmm. important, uh, particularly to people who've come out of a religion, particularly a high control but fundamentalist Christian religion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something we wanted to talk about, and now seems to be the right time um so before I, i'm going to ask you a bunch of questions first really because mm-hmm. i think that's the right thing to do given that you're a young woman um but before the i do that i just the uterus exactly <laughs> <laughs> um but before we do that i just wanted to i suppose make clear that as always in what should i think about we are not here to tell our listeners what to think so we we like to uh, we think it's important to look into areas of, you know, 
interest and difficulty and ethical dilemmas and stuff, but it's not for us to tell people what to think. That doesn't mean that we pretend we don't have a view. So uh, I think we'll we'll be clear about that today, but it's not about us trying to convince our listeners about a particular position. We really want to look at the issues in good faith and talk about them in a thoughtful way. And that is the way that we try to do all of our podcasts. All right. So having said all that, um, what are your initial reactions to to this news then, Celine? I think initial is, um, to be honest, a lot of people are really angry and I just felt sad because I think it's almost like I just bypassed angry and just went straight to sad. Mm. Um, Because, and and initially as well, just thinking like, wow, it feels very Gilead. (laughs) Um, You know, sort of step one. Yeah, the, you know, step one, when you read that book, she's like, oh, it was a slow progression. They didn't just turn us into Gilead things, slowly turned back, you know, um, bodily autonomy, mm. or, you know, abortions wound back before, you know, step, step, you know, it doesn't, yeah. and it, it does feel, it does feel to me backwards and, you know, just quite frankly ridiculous that we're, in this situation um that's you know that we're back here um yeah and also it's concerning because in um i think we've used this phrase before but it's like america um gets the flu and and england sneezes or something Mm. like this and Mm. it's like or britain sneezes or whatever and Mm. it's like yeah you do and it's it is a powerful nation so you do worry about just because it's happening somewhere else Mm. it does have implications on the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of our listeners are from the States. Yeah, this is the um, thing. I care about the people that are yeah, there. And I care yeah. about the impact it's going to have on these people. And the impact it's going to have on other nations as well, potentially. Yeah. Um, I think there's also um, concerns about the wider message. I mean, you mentioned about Gilead. So this is, um, you're relating, you're uh, referring to The Handmaid's Tale, Mm -hmm. Um, for those of our listeners that don't know that I mean it's possible if you're an ex-Jehovah's Witness Gilead means something entirely different Um, so we're talking here about the story the book turned into Mm -hmm. a TV series The Handmaid's Tale Um, and I think that's that's part of the concern it's um, it's not only although it's really obviously very very relevant and serious to people um, whom it affects but it's also what it says it potentially about yeah yeah like it just like roe versus Wade originally set a precedent of bodily autonomy <laughs> reversing it sets a precedent of and it reminds you that just because you have something doesn't mean you always have it and you do mm. have to fight for it and keep it and things can be taken away and it's today it's this tomorrow it's what you know yeah 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 so um and i know i know there's also been there's a, there's a reference in the um, the opinion, um, as it's called, about other rulings that relate to things like contraception, mm-hmm. um, gay rights, gay marriage, gay acts, if you like. Um, not and they're they're basically on the one hand saying that this has no relevance to that. This has no relation to that. But on the other, at least one of the justices kind of says we do, we do need to look at these again, mm. um, which I think 
is another step. So you talked well, about steps. Yeah. And it comes from, because it's because it's coming from, I mean, if you just type Roe versus Wade, Christian, you'll get a flood of yeah. pop of, of, of searches popped up. And the reason is because it does have, it does, it does have links to Christianity mm. and, and not necessarily fundamentalism, but that, yeah. but it does come from a more fundamentalist approach, you know, mm. like how we've said before, there are churches that allow LGBT, but there are churches which are more fundamentalist and therefore don't. So there might be churches that might not throw you out for having abortion, but there are the fundamentalist ones would, um, you know, so uh, it's just, it's in it's in a it's in a it's in a package of things. Do you know what I mean? So, like, if yeah. you're let's say more left leaning liberal, you're probably more um, likely to be um, pro choice. You're probably more likely to be pro LGBT. You're probably more likely to be, um, you know, pro contraceptions. Mm. So when so, but the the opposite is true of that. So if you're if you're pro life, you're there's a chance you're more because of religious reasons then you're also more likely because of these religious reasons to be anti-lgbt and anti-contraception mm. so it means that when you start attacking these things um like like abortion rights it does have knock-on effects because it's part of this package of of you know quote-unquote left agenda and you know changing our way of life and you know make america christian and good again you know um, yeah this is the fear anyway yeah yeah i think that's right and um the uh if if the reason that you are against abortion is because of your religious beliefs mm-hmm. um then obviously the the next thing is well what else are we doing in society that are against your religious beliefs yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's as simple as that. So if your motivation for um, for banning abortion is because you think that it's God's will to make sure that that stops, and but you also think that it's God's will to stop LGBTQ people practicing their own lives, um, then, yeah, there's no surprise that people are concerned that that's, that's next or that that's mm-hmm. coming up at some point. Um, and it's not just that. It's lots of things, isn't it? You know, separation of church and state. And so on and so on. And I mean, obviously, we've talked to, uh, I mean, Clint Haycock on um, the idea of uh, Dominion theology. And it feels like this is just another part of that, really. The idea that Christians, some Christians want to get into a, a place of power so that they can essentially make God's kingdom a reality mm-hmm. now through uh, their own efforts. Um, so, yeah. I think that that's part of the fear, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess um, the first thing that I kind of wanted to say from my perspective, obviously, as an ex-Jehovah's Witness, I think it's hard if you haven't been raised as an ex-Jehovah's Witness or an ex-fundamentalist, it's probably very difficult to appreciate the level at which the indoctrination occurs and the amount of which that that occurs so or education or call it what you like but there is only one view that you get as a as a young jehovah's witness about abortion and that is that it is completely against god's will and that um, it's completely wrong 
Under um, all circumstances, correct? Un- yeah, pretty much. I mean, Jehovah's Witness is a little bit ambiguous when it comes to choices between the mother and the, the baby. It's a bit more ambiguous there, but not much. Um, but certainly, you know, for any other reason, is is completely banned. And, and uh, you know, for some fundamentalists, even that uh, is, is an absolute no-no. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember my mum I think it was reading to me an article in I think it was the awake I did try to do a quick look for it but I couldn't find it so it could just be my memory playing tricks with me but I'm pretty sure that there was an article that went through it was as if the baby was talking the unborn child was talking in the first person saying you know so many weeks my my fingers have started to develop and Mm. and I'm able to hear things from the outside world and so on and so on um now, of course, that's of course it's a device, but an unborn child doesn't have the consciousness to be able to make those sorts of statements. But again, this is the sort of way that that I was raised, and it was very, very clear. Um, and I think when you leave Jehovah's Witnesses or another fundamentalist mm. group, it's really, really difficult to. I think for some, anyway, it's really difficult to rethink all of that because of the amount of uh of indoctrination that you've had i said the same about bloods before you know so i would have a blood transfusion if i needed one but i would really try to avoid it if i possibly could i couldn't even eat black pudding when i i don't eat meat anymore but when i did i would never eat a black pudding Um, i wouldn't eat anything that was obviously got blood in it even though I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness anymore, there are some yeah. of these things that really yeah. stay with you. And I think it's um, for some who've left, I, I'm sure that that is still the case. Because for me, there's like, I I, I, I don't care. Because like I have a yeah. condition that means I sometimes do lose blood. So I'm like, give mm. it whenever, mate. Yes. Tick exactly. the box. Give exactly. me the blood. I and want I, it. Of course I, I like being that. alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, love it. Love having blood, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when I've got blood in my body, you know. Yeah, um, I know. But for um, me, like I can say that, like it's jokey. Mm. But obviously, for you, it comes from a very different place. You know, you've had yeah. to come to terms with it. Whereas I'm just like, yeah, it's jokes. I want the blood, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, also with me, um, I think I was raised by by you, obviously, and um, to to be a lot more like it was a lot more scientific. Yeah, you know, the pictures yeah. were fetuses and they were cells and you were using the correct words you know yeah like these are the cells and like this is the, of the little blob and like it's you know cell in some, and so on, yeah, yeah you know this is how it does this and mm. it's it and it, you know mm. and it's a fetus now um you know what i mean like when it gets to a certain point and you know it's it was because it was learning about it as a because it is you know it's a biological process yeah um, so I learned about it in that way. I'm not saying that I'm not like, oh, it's lovely and babies, but like, you know, it's a different way of coming to learn what. Yes, absolutely. Making yeah. a baby means. Do you know what I mean? And like how a baby grows and forms. I think the sort of story time, um, you know, way that the J Dubs and other fundamentalists mm. talk about it is a lot more like, yeah, it is a story time. And um, about 
God and how wonderful he is. He's allowed this miracle to happen. and He's, he's made this miracle happen. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with me, it was like, this is biologically how this happens. And, like, mm. and, and yet, wonderful and amazing. And, yeah, yeah fantastic, as you say, brilliant, yeah. great. But still yeah. a scientific biological process, you know. Yeah. So that initially just the way that my brain has come to terms with as a child the concept of babies is not mm. as traumatic because that that's almost like creepy the way that you do you know what I mean like yeah and it's it, it's also um so so one of the things that I guess I was thinking of we'll perhaps come to this later but one of the things that we know is that um a pregnancy is is often terminated just through uh, biology you know so um, well there's such a thing uh, called chemical pregnancy which is when it's literally so early that barely anything's happened you might even miss it there's lots yes, of women exactly. that have a chemical mm. pregnancy that they never even know about yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously the uh, most pregnancies that that um miscarry miscarry within the first 12 weeks mm. so which is obviously awful if you're trying to have a baby and you want yes. to have that baby and you know you're pregnant and it, you lose it, that's awful. But yeah, most, mm. that's why it's the first month that people generally don't tell people because it's the most yes. yeah. um, likely time that you might lose the the, the, the pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I guess um, uh, when I was thinking about this, um, this episode, Celine, um, I, I thought about the arguments around abortion. What, what are the arguments um, that is put forward to say that it's wrong yeah um and obviously that that then you know talk about the arguments against that position um and it seems to me that i mean there'll there'll obviously be lots and lots of variations on various different themes but it it seems to me that there's mainly two um if you were going to talk about understanding the ethics of this question um and one is this what we could describe a fundamentalist uh, interpretation of, of Christianity. Um, so it's and coming it's from a religious, kind of religious place. Yeah, yeah. Fundamental religious. And, and the other one really is, uh, I suppose a more ethical question that doesn't relate to the Bible or any, any Christian um, approach to this. And so I thought it would perhaps be good to get into the weeds of those again, not with a view to try and, convince anybody of our point of view but just to say ours it might be different yeah i mean i I, i've i've been thinking about this too obviously and i mean first of all i do genuinely think that my opinion is much less important um than yours for instance for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons but i think that's more than just um just feminism i think what what we have to acknowledge what what society has to acknowledge is that even if you think even if you as an individual think that abortion is wrong so let's say as an individual i might say abortion is wrong that still doesn't mean that it's not up to the woman to make that decision mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah. mm-hmm. so i i i feel that the all of the heavy lifting, I mean, what, what do men contribute to this process of, of having children? Well, you know, 
that's it. It's it's uh, a man has sex. He contributes fifty percent of the genetic makeup to this uh, this new life, mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, um, if he's a good man, he'll be there, support and help and help raise the child, and hopefully he'll be there for his partner um, as she's pregnant and so on. But all the heavy lifting is being done by the woman. Mm-hmm. This is in her body. Um, it starts off in many respects as being part of her own body. Mm-hmm. Of course, it, it, it becomes an individual entity um, over this period. But it, it all of it's all happening to the woman, in the woman, and all the consequences of what's, what's going to happen, good or bad, are, are born by the woman. Therefore... Mm-hmm. It just feels to me that it should be the woman that makes that decision. So a pro-choice stance doesn't mean that you like abortion, that you even agree with it. It just means that you think that it is up to the woman. It's the woman's decision to make because of these biological factors that no one can change. It is the way it is. Uh, who knows in thousands of years maybe but we change mm-hmm. it but as as it stands it is what it is and therefore I, I feel that that's a good that's an important thing to state to say before we get into um, the ethics of it and the rights mm-hmm. and wrongs however anybody might feel about it actually as an individual you can have whatever view you want and that's absolutely right to do so but in my personal view because of the consequences to the woman whatever happens it has to be her choice and in a way you know we could stop the podcast there because Mm. you know for some people that's enough that's it you know as far as they're concerned it's a woman's choice full stop and you know i've got some sympathy with that view but given that this is a podcast that we do like to get into the mm-hmm. uh, the weeds of it, if you like. Uh, you know, we're not going to stop there. But so that's the first thing I yeah. wanted to say. Yeah. Which, to be fair, on on behalf of uterus owners, we appreciate um, <laughs> <laughs> um, in these trying times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Obviously, I think you can tell I'm not outwardly said it yet, but I think it's quite obvious what my opinion is. Mm. Um, I'm taking a pro-choice stance in that I do think that it should be the woman's choice. Um, I don't know if we want, should I start bringing up, like, what should we do? Should we talk about reasons as to why I think that? Well, or should what, we... Yeah, you can do. I mean, uh, I'm happy to be led by you. I've, I've got a couple of lines of, of discussion, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. um tell me what you think well the reason i think that is yeah obviously for first point she you know the pregnant person is doing the heavy lifting in terms of you know carrying a child having the child um you know there are there are risks in pregnancy and birth Mm. that you know Mm. i think people because it happens all the time (laughs) you know people are always pregnant you know it's fine but it is it is still it is still a risk and yeah. not everyone wants that risk. You know, I am someone that eventually I do want to have children. I would like to carry my own children. But mm. I think it would be fair if I was like, I don't want 
I don't personally want the risk. Like as if I was like, mm. you know, having um, low blood for me is dangerous mm. um, because of my health condition. So I don't want the potential of hemorrhaging or losing blood. Mm. So I might say I don't want that. And if and I'll do whatever it takes to avoid that risk. So I might mm. choose avoiding pregnancy as a risk mitigation for me. Right. And people with other health mm. conditions might decide yeah. that. So that's that's one thing um also just i think one that gets forgotten a lot because i think you have to feel like you have to pull out the big guns Mm. because it's such a a touchy subject but um i think if you really don't want a child and you think you'd be a bad parent and you won't you don't want them (laughs) and you don't you know you 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 don't want to carry this child because you'll be depressed because you don't want them you think you'll be a bad parent or you, you're in a situation that you think mm. then you're not going to raise them well. Do we want that? Mm. Like if we just, 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 cause I know this one seem, I think people think it seems like the weakest argument of saying, well, I don't want children. Um, but if you, if you really don't want children and you find yourself pregnant, do we want that person to be a parent? Mm. That's a question that I think we really should consider as mm. society. Um, you know so because i think people often say well they could put them up for adoption Mm. and my follow-up to that is do we want more children in the adoption system Mm. um some some adoption like agencies uh require you to be religious to adopt for instance (laughs) they want uh, Mm. they want good christian families to adopt so do we want to be putting children into a system like that there's things there's other Mm. questions do you know what i mean so it's like Mm. So that's one. So I think, you know, just the fact of being pregnant, it is up to you to to go through a medical procedure, basically, you know, all of that. Do you want to be a parent? If you think you're going to be a bad parent, (laughs) should you be forced into that? You know, should we require people to put children up for adoption, like go through the process and put them up for adoption? Um, If someone wants to do that, then I think that's different. But I'm saying if that's the option you're left with, should we want that for people? Um, and what are the systems in place like and do we want to enter more children into that do we want more children in foster care in in bopping from place to place while Mm. we try and find them a home do we want that there's been quite a lot of couples on twitter and so um so on different social media platforms putting pictures of themselves mm-hmm. with placards saying we'll adopt your baby mm. um, but it's and, not that you know, simple and do we, can, well, we so, can't just hand babies out they have no, to go some of the response system. yeah some of the response to that was why don't you help with the thousands of children that are currently mm-hmm. in the system mm-hmm. um, exactly because it's is, already is thousands of children in the system yeah. um mm. Point two, what if you literally can't afford the cost of having a baby? You know how it's thousands of pounds just to give birth in a hospital. What if you are um, in a household that doesn't have a lot of money? You don't have um, you don't have uh, insurance like health insurance. You're forced to have this baby. Do you end up giving birth to this baby at home? in an unregulated, unsafe environment? Because I doubt that you're having a posh, you know, upper class but home birth where you get the doctor to come to your house you know you probably you know so again it's like an, an an abortion is is it may be a better option if you literally can't afford the medical procedure 
of, of mm. going into a hospital. Um, so that's something. Um, there's so many. There's so many. I would say welfare factors that need mm. looking at. If you're gonna, if this is gonna be the the world that you create, are you you can't leave people in a situation where children don't get adopted because there's thousands of children needing homes because the adoption system isn't right. It costs a lot to adopt as well. Um, people can't afford to go into labour in hospitals because it's so expensive. Um, it's just there's so many issues on top of it just because of the way the american welfare system works but not just the american system in fairness i mean you know that the same applies to the uk i know obviously we're talking about america because of the the, well the the, the latest laws well and and the the fact that it's just been uh, that the law changed but um yeah even in in the uk if, if there was to be a similar change i think you'd have the same problems yeah sure healthcare is free at the point of use in the uk but there are lots of problems with it and we have mm-hmm. the same problems with lots of children in the um in the system mm-hmm. that are desperate yeah the for adoption, adoption issue is 100 percent mm. a thing all yeah. across mm. um the world really and then um the other thing so we're getting on to more heavy things now so a bit of a trigger warning here but um if you're what if you've been assaulted and you're pregnant with a child you never wanted you never you never you know made the choice to even have sex but someone has forced themselves upon you and now you're pregnant do we expect this person to now raise this child or again even just go through the pregnancy um that's something that we've got to consider the trauma of that Um, unfortunately that is a fact of life at the moment that people are people are assaulted not just you know by people you don't know the most common is people you do know so you want them to raise this child now? Um, so it's like questions, there's caveats. Do we, is it a blanket ruling or are we making caveats? And I don't, at the moment, it doesn't seem like it. Um, and my final one, I think I can think off the top of my head is in cases where, um, oh, there's two actually, in cases where the pregnancy isn't viable. So, you know, this this child, um or this 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 fetus this baby isn't gonna become a child like you're either gonna carry a stillborn um like or you're gonna give birth and they won't make it post the birth um or ectopic pregnancies which i think me and dad mentioned before this there's been a post going around about an ectopic pregnancy those are non-viable pregnancies they can't make it they will terminate this is where the baby is growing in the fallopian tubes yeah it's not possible for a baby to Mm. go full term if it is there um and i I don't think it's a very practical procedure to try and disturb the fetus and try and move it. it's not like it's something that's very viable to do um you know it's a very early stages it's very Mm. they easily disturbed and causes um, miscarriage but and a lot of people do miscarry during an ectopic anyway a massive risk to the mother as but well. it's massive risk to the mother so um you know there was a post recently saying because the hospitals and the doctors don't know where they stand as of now and um, a woman that came in with plenty of time for them to deal with what they usually would deal with an ectopic pregnancy by um you know stopping a pregnancy that's not viable um because it's not going to res- she won't be able to have the baby and it will be dangerous to her but what happens instead she ends up with rupture and bleeding in the abdomen um 
you know, that was just completely unnecessary and surely adds to the trauma for this poor woman. Um, So you end up with this situation as well. But my final thing to say is also, I follow someone on TikTok that's got a child that's been born with a um, degenerative disease. They've got um, childhood dementia. So basically, it's literally they have dementia, but as a child, and um, they have a very short life expectancy. And, you know, at the age that she is now, she's lost all ability to talk, sort of doesn't can't sleep for days on end doesn't know where she is what's happening doesn't know her parents anymore um and she was like if I got pregnant now again I'd be expected to have that baby if and if they tested it and they knew it had this disease and she was like I don't know it she was like my child doesn't have a quality of life right now and it doesn't seem fair to bring another child with a degenerative disease that she will die by the age of 10 like there's nothing that they can do um mm. and she was like it's really hard on her on her, the family because they're watching mm. a child die they and you know they wouldn't wish that again on another child and that's a really awful decision but that they don't have that decision now if that happens to them yeah and you know there will be some uh parents i guess of of children with terrible mm-hmm. uh disabilities who would say that it's they still worth it, and they still uh, uh, that's right, yeah, yeah which again and they you have get to respect. To they get to choose, exactly. you know. Yeah. Um, and she said she just, you know, they 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 love their child and they do their best mm. by her, but bless them. Sometimes they feel they feel bad that they didn't know at the time. You know, it's something they discovered later, but they feel bad that she's living with a quality of life that is isn't very high, and they feel really mm. sad about that, and they don't wish that on another of their children so they've chosen not to have children because they have a likelihood of that happening again um you know i suppose the counter argument is um people say well just don't get pregnant um which is easier said than done in some parts of the world yeah i mean that that was that would have been my argument you know going back um to my JW days, mm-hmm. I I have been that man, you know, making those arguments because that was the way that I was raised to 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 have mm-hmm. those arguments in place. But yeah, I think firstly, um, con- no contraception is a hundred percent certain anyway. So even if every couple were using contraception completely correctly and so on there's no if you do perfect use yeah because perfect and actual use are different something important Mm. to remember that um Mm. when you're looking at contraceptions they will tell you perfect use and they'll tell you actual use which is how they're generally used by the public Um, but Mm. even perfect use nothing's 100 percent other than abstinence um Mm. so you know are we saying that if you're not willing to have a pregnancy the chance of a pregnancy because there's no backup there's no options if it does happen that you just don't you just don't have sex now yeah and then we're, we're back to this question about rape and um, i mean incest and things like that are big yeah. questions you know um a, a girl that's raped by her father should she be made to carry that and so on so yeah. uh, those are the more extreme cases i guess and, and much rarer i would suggest 
Um, but still, but still they are should we all have there. to live by the mm. same rules as well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like someone that we know that was, um, you know, assaulted that isn't um, completely well themselves, um, like mentally, then they wouldn't mm. be able to raise a child themselves. So yeah. not only were they attacked, um, mm. they also wouldn't be able to raise a child but under the you know JW rules, mm. they should still have it, yeah. you know. And under these new rules of Roe versus Wade, you're still having this child, you know. Well, I th- I, to be just to be completely accurate, I guess it depends where in the states you are. So all that this new yeah, it's changed does, the precedent. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it just says that it's up to the states now, so it's not a constitutional right anymore, and it will depend on the state entirely. Yeah. Um, some of the states are very liberal, so they um, there will be no change, and others are less liberal, and some others are very very strict. I mean, we we have the um, possibility. I mean, let let's just remind ourselves what what being illegal means. It means that if you are a woman um, and you've had a miscarriage, then uh, the police will want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a doctor and you know one of your patients um, claims that you've carried out an abortion or, or somebody, uh, a neighbour, mm-hmm. thinks that that's happened, then again, the police will... So you can be put into prison. Um, in some states, I understand that there's talk about prosecuting people who are helping women cross uh, state lines to, mm-hmm. to get these medical treatments so now we're talking about not only stopping abortion within that state but restricting access to abortion by going to a different state mm-hmm. or country um so that's the those, those are the consequences just just for a starter for 10 really so yeah it's it's a world that i don't think perhaps we're quite ready for when we when we hear about abortion being made illegal it has lots of consequences that um, will require a whole new set of bureaucracy and 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 enforcement Mm -hmm. which i think is the bit you know that's the handmaid's tale bit that that frightens um many women and and hopefully men as well um, so that's why it is serious. Yeah. Yeah. Is is that are those your main points then, Selena? Yeah, you, those are my main yeah. points. I mean, so, I know it's quite a lot, but it's not a simple thing. There's a lot a of reasons thing. why people need yeah. access and have then should have the right to an abortion, and I yeah. think those um, ranging from the very serious to the more just, you know, um, it's a simple. They should have a right. I guess um, what what might be useful now is to think about the claims, I suppose, from the Christian right about abortion, including not just the Christian right, actually, because Jehovah's Witnesses don't sit on that spectrum, but the Christian fundamentalist mm-hmm. or the Christian Christian right. So the the um, the assertion is is that God 
it's it's against God's law to mm-hmm. have an abortion. Um, of course, the word abortion isn't mentioned in the Bible. Um, babies are born and babies are stillborn. Babies are um, killed. There are obviously things talked about around this, but there's no such thing, or it's not mentioned directly. Although there is a there is a passage that has been talked about quite a bit which i'll come to in a minute because it's a bit of a a tricky one to um to be clear about what's happening but i i wanted to i wanted to just think about what the bible actually says about life because there is this christian um sense that the bible is very clear when it comes to taking life and that you know life is sacred and we should respect life in in human life in all its forms um and of course this is at the heart of the the question for many fundamentalists you know they believe that life human life begins at conception so at that point um essentially it's you know it's not for us to take that life it's and we have to obey god's law about respecting life and so on so on um but i i thought it would be it's important to actually get a sense of what what the bible says about life and the way that life is treated in the bible and i'm thinking particularly about the what would be called the old testament to most people or the hebrew scriptures we used to call it um because it's there that you see a theocracy it's there that you see what life is like under direct rule Mm -hmm. by the gods of the bible um and I don't think it's the way that many people uh, think it is, you know. Um, I'm going to read you a couple of texts, which I think just just illustrate this point. So there's there's a, a scripture here. Um, it's in Numbers 31. And it's actually about Israel's uh, treatment of the Midianites. Mm. So they're going to war with the Midianites and uh, they fight this war. And they, uh, I'll, I'll read it. It's from verse 31 of chapter, um, sorry, verse 7 of chapter 31. Then they waged war against Midian, as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed every male. Among the slain were, and there's a bit of a list. Mm-hmm. It then says, the Israelites captured the Midianite women and their children, and they plundered all their herds, flocks and goods. Then they burned all the cities where the Midianites had lived, as well as all their encampments, and carried away all the plunder and spoils, both people and animals. They brought the captives, spoils and plunder to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the congregation of Israel at the camp on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. And Moses Eliezer, the priest, and all the leaders of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds who were returning from the battle. Have you spared all the women? he asked them. Look, these women caused the sons of Israel through the council of Balaam to turn unfaithfully against the Lord at Peor, so that the plague struck the congregation of the Lord. And here's the point. So now, kill all the boys, as well as every woman who has had relations with a man. But spare for yourselves every girl 
who has never had relations with a man. So let's just get a bit of a, let's just review what Moses is saying to the Israelites based on what God has told him to do. He's basically saying, look, you should have killed all the women. But they haven't killed all the women. They've brought the women and the spoils and the children to him. So what should we do with these? Like, Now imagine that. What's that like mm-hmm. for those women and children? Mm-hmm. Um, and the ruling is kill all the women and the boys, children, mm-hmm. little boys, um, but leave all the girls who are virgins. Yep. Now, let's put to one side a moment what they want those young girls for mm-hmm. what does what does the god of the bible here think about killing children killing babies it's fine you know that's you should be doing that that why didn't you do that already is kind of the question mm-hmm. so when fundamentalist christians talk about you know life beginning at conception and that you know it's 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 a sin against god to take life at all mm-hmm. i think from a scriptural position it's not really that simple well, is God's it pretty chill about murder like i don't know like, absolutely he loves a good flood he likes you know to kill the firstborn of all of the um that's another moses thing kill absolutely. the firstborn son mm. isn't it of every um house well, it's one of the that doesn't have a, um, yeah that doesn't have lamb's blood on it mm. So, yeah, it just goes around and Pass kills over. all their babies. He loves killing people's babies. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> the horrible man. Yeah. And they're already out and in the world. So I'm going to read you another another text now. Um, so first of all, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 20. So first of all, he says how you approach a city to fight against it who are not near you. In other words, these are far away neighbors. These are not part of the land that you're, that you've been promised. So these are, these are sort of, you know, a bit further out. So it gives them rules for that. And for them, you you can take some, um, uh, some, some spoils essentially, but this is now, um, that is what you'll do to all the cities very far away from you that are not of the cities of these nearby nations. But in the cities of these peoples, which Jehovah your God, so this is the New World Translation, this is the Bible that Jehovah's Witnesses use, which Jehovah your God is giving you as an inheritance, you must not allow any breathing thing to live. Instead, you should devote them completely to destruction. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, just as Jehovah your God has commanded you, so that... They may not teach you to follow all their detestable practices that they have done for their gods, causing you to sin against Jehovah your God. So, oh, and by the way, then afterwards, he talks about not killing trees. Uh, So don't chop the trees down, which was interesting, but do kill all the people and all the animals. Um, So again, this this is the God of the, the same God of the fundamentalist Christians who are saying that to terminate a pregnancy uh, a few weeks into that pregnancy um, is a terrible sin against God, but it's okay to kill 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of people and, and children. Uh, this isn't uh, not even to mention the the Jehovah's Witness um, doctrine, which is that God is going to wipe out everybody who's not yeah. a Jehovah's Witness, man, child, baby, uh, pregnant woman, lady. pregnant woman. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would also, yeah, thinking about this, it reminded me. So, like, this is like the hypocrisy thing, right? Mm. Of this, to me, it feels like hypocrisy. Um, you know, it's like when you outline these things um and then then they use the same book to say well actually god doesn't like that um god doesn't like murder and abortion counts as murder because they're alive from the point of conception um but if god says murder the babies it's fine well obviously they're not thinking like that but you know that's why it comes across as um hypocrisy to me but then uh, it made me think of because some people have been talking about the fact that like if you really care about the children, um, why do you still have guns? Why are children still getting shot at school? And I know people mm. find that sort of thing annoying. So it's like no, it's not an issue about guns, but it's saying like it's it's asking you to consider what do you really care about? Do you care about the children? Is it all about the babies? Like like why do you want to stop abortions? If it's about the children, then why are we not dedicating all of that energy to making adoption better, to making um, foster care better, to having uh, more money into child cancer research? Why are we not um, stopping school shootings? Do you know what I mean? If it's all about the children, then why are we not doing more for child welfare? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've not um, double checked the the. the validity of this so i'm always a bit wary of just taking things from twitter but um one of the politicians who is obviously pro-life as as the they call it um upon winning apparently again i this is a health warning because i need to double check it but said um that i want to make life in the womb as safe as life in the schoolroom. And um, when you hear that, you can't help but um, uh, so ask the like, question. <laughs> he really loves abortions, then. I don't, I, well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think the idea is that your children are safe in the school. But in they're the school not room, safe. The classroom, is the issue. But, they're but not no. safe. Children no, I aren't mean, there's safe. there's lots of these um, questions about the, and I, I guess I, I tr- in a way, I don't want to get us too sucked down into the political. Um, Maya, because that's a different subject. We know we can talk about that, but um, in a way that, but it's hard to disentangle it because it it does seem to be pretty much exclusively the the right of politics. Um, but it's the same right who don't want to spend money on childcare, don't want to spend money to help poor families, and, and so on and so don't on. Don't give women maternity leave. I think it's important to first of all make the point that not all Christians take this view. There are many, many Christians who um, don't take this extreme view. So lots of Christians understand that there are situations. Um, for well, first of all, they understand that that they take the same line that I I said at the beginning, which is it's a woman's choice. And secondly, that there are reasons why that might be uh, the the best thing to do. Um, yeah, I suppose just to be fair to the um, the Christians for a moment, um, the argument um, for 
the stance that you know God is clear that uh, abortion is wrong really revolves around a couple of laws that one in particular where there is a law in the old law covenant where if two men were fighting and one of them ended up injuring a pregnant woman and she gave birth prematurely because of that injury um, if the child if the baby dies then um, it says life for a life so those men would be put to death because of the death of that unborn child um, so that's the precedent that they use to uh, to say that the child is um, the unborn child is the same as as a as any other person it's it's a it's a person um and the other argument which is a really strange one i think anyway actually relates to some of the things that uh, we've been talking about which is that um that god's view of children being killed is the same as god's view of unborn children being killed so there's this um there's this case that some have been talking about in Exodus. It's a very strange verse. You know, I was a Jehovah's Witness for 30 years and I never came across this at all. We must have read it briefly in, in a Bible reading, but I don't remember it. So I think what you do find when you start looking into these things is that there are whole great swathes of scriptures that you don't even know are in there because they're just a bit uncomfortable and difficult to um to accept so you don't talk about them mm. um basically i'll just paraphrase what happened this is in numbers 5 11 to 31 i'm not going to read it all but basically um if a man thinks that his wife has cheated on him um and he's jealous because he thinks that she's had sex with somebody else, he can bring her to the high priest. And he goes through this ceremony where he has water. He has some holy water. Um, there's also some uh, presentation of offering of barley. Um, and there's the, he picks up some dust from the tabernacle floor and puts it into this water. I think there's something to do with this barley as well. So it's a bit of a mixture. Oh, and there's a, essentially there's a statement in there where she basically says that she hasn't done what he's accused her of. So I guess there's some sort of, it wouldn't be ink as we know it, but some sort of thing. Anyway, that gets put in the water as well. So you've got this, this weird water, this it's called bitter water. She drinks the, the water and if her belly swells, and the, the way that it's translated is her thigh falls away. Um, then she's guilty of uh, this act of adultery. Um, whereas if nothing happens to her, then she's not. Some translations render this falling away of the thigh as a miscarriage. Mm. So some people think it describes essentially a, a an abortion because it's thought that she would have had been yeah. pregnant because of this, this union. And so he believes that she's been unfaithful. It's, it's a bit for me, it's too difficult to understand what's happening here. It's a mixture. Like some people think you can make like concoctions that yeah. create, yeah. will cause a miscarriage, but 
but you know it, it it's all very strange but i think what what it does demonstrate again is this the way that women were treated in the the bible times in the times when god was ruling pretty much directly his people women were treated like that you know as a husband i could say i think my wife is cheating on me let's make a drink this horrible thing that might make her um well depending on how you translate this piece either have a miscarriage or have shriveled up sex organs Mm. um if she's been guilty of it you know this is this is the sort of um the way that uh, that was normal and and when when you look at apologist sites there's lots of apologist websites that talk about this stuff and i've been reading some of them and the irony is is they use the same arguments that a um, a non-religious person would because they say well you know sensitivities are different now to what they used to be yes mm-hmm. that's the whole point isn't it <laughs> that's the whole thing we cannot use ancient practices as the basis on which we make decisions mm-hmm. um in in a modern setting because yes things have changed people's sensitivities have changed what we understand in terms of ethics has, has changed so yeah I, I just thought that was kind of interesting and that's that's also been talked about can i can i just briefly touch on the ethical questions mm-hmm. so i guess um it's taken me personally quite a long time to get to grips with with this subject i know we've talked about it before over the years and we've not always um agreed although we've always been respectful of each other i think i hope um but i think um i think because of my upbringing and and so on and plus um it feels like a really serious thing because yeah um fetus um the embryo first the fetus the the baby you know at some point it that being becomes what we would describe as a human being so at the point of conception um i think most people would accept there is some sort of life we struggle to we struggle to define life anyway but it it is um, I suppose alive in a sense, but then you know, is a sperm alive? I suppose, mm. and is a is a egg alive? Difficult questions. These, I think, most people would say that there's a there's some sort of life there, but clearly, as a as an embryo, it has no consciousness. It isn't aware, um, and as it develops in the womb, obviously, at some point, then we say that it's now a viable baby mm-hmm. now in the uk that's that's legally defined as 24 weeks um which is about six months mm-hmm. and the way that's been done uh, and i don't have any knowledge about you know i don't have enough knowledge to, to say whether that's right or wrong whether that's the right number or the wrong number i don't i don't know but it feels like the way that decision has been come to is one that's based on science and that's based on questions of you know at what point do we say this this life is now a human being full human with the rights to um that every other citizen has let's say um surely as soon as the baby is born yes what about 
a month before and so on. And that's why um, this decision of 24 weeks has been come to because it's seen that that's a time when the child wouldn't be viable outside or it's very, very unlikely that it will be viable, not without huge amounts of medical intervention. Um, and there's obviously questions around what the baby feels and so on. And those things have been and still are up for discussion and debate and expert opinion. And that's very different from saying life begins at conception. This is what the Bible says mm -hmm. and that's it, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, I think there is, there is a, an ethical question about what's the right thing to do. And society as a whole, of course, um, has to take certain views on certain things without undermining what I already said about a woman's right. Um, I think society does have to, to take a view at some point, mm -hmm. um, but it, it has to be done through science and obviously listening to the voices of the people that, as, as we've both said, do all the heavy lifting, which, which is the women. It feels to me, we've had a discussion before about consequentialism versus deontology. So I don't know if you remember us talking about that. I do. I was just trying to, yeah. Which one's which? Yeah. De is yeah. that the de deontology? It's like, oh, it was always going to happen the way it was going to happen. Or like... No. So um, so deont a deontological approach says that um, this is a fixed principle, that this thing is always mm. wrong or right. Right, and that's essentially the stance that a religious, fundamentalist yeah. Christian or a religious person is taking: is that this is always wrong. Um, but then they actually deny that when they go and pick up weapons to go and fight somebody, mm -hmm. um, go to war. You know, so so the idea that it's always wrong to kill is not actually agreed with. No, um, especially the right. Actually, you know, they're the ones most likely to pick up a weapon, mm -hmm. and do whatever. So, actually, um, that's not consistent. But it's, I think it's still seen as a kind of a moral certainty. This is the right thing or wrong thing to do. Whereas a consequentialist approach says that actually what we, what we need to do if we try to understand ethics is to say, you know, what's, what's the, the thing that's going to increase the most happiness, well-being in the world mm -hmm. and reduce suffering, suffering. in the world. Yeah. Um, and I think if you start looking at it like that, then there may be decisions that are made that you personally might struggle with, but that you say, well, yeah, on balance, I can, you know, I can understand that. Again, not, not cutting across what I've already said about, about whose decision it has to be at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. but for me that's a much better way of trying to resolve these difficult moral questions is to do it through what's the thing that's going to cause least suffering and most good in the world and sometimes that's a very very difficult decision sometimes there are no easy answers mm. and I think this is one of those for me it's always going to be a difficult one um, but I think that you have to make these decisions based on that sort of ethical stance. Mm. Yeah, for me, I think for all of the reasons, 
I discussed before. Yeah. That's why I come down on the reason I think abortions being allowed is the ethical thing to do is because of all of those reasons, basically. Um, and also, I guess, just to, a, another point is that, um, like we said about contraception and things, you know, just don't get pregnant. Um, there's not, it's not, it's not always stoppable, you know. Um, mm. Like you said, not all contraception is effective, but also not. Um, yeah, sometimes contraception fails, and yeah. um, across the world, actually, women are often that say they people that don't want children ever are often refused um, sterilization or getting their tubes tied or vasectomies until they've had children. Especially mm. women often say, "Well, you will want children. You need to wait till you're this age." <laughs> before you will trust your wanting that so i think there's a lot of things in conflict with each other um so yeah and we haven't world <laughs> yeah we haven't talked directly about the whole question of women's rights and, and so on obviously we've touched on it quite a lot but um I, I think that that's the other thing that really needs to be understood is the context in which this argument is being had and the reason why Obviously, I'm not a woman, so I, I don't want to presume to get in inside the head of, of women who are very angry about this. But I feel like it's in this context of a world that for so many centuries, millennia, have um, have controlled women in lots and lots of ways. And that absolutely has included their reproduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and any hints that that is that the gains that have been made are, are being rolled back, I think is is the, the panic and the fear that, that many yeah. women are having. So that, for me, is is, is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think every all of us should be concerned about the, the reach of government into those areas, which I hear that lots of right-leaning people want the government to uh, get out of their lives, well, yeah. yeah. So have we, as um, long as it aligns with their life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you think we've uh, we've addressed that? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I could moan about it for a long time, um, but the the long and short is, I think we've gone through a lot of the reasons. So if you weren't sure why people were upset or what could cause people to be upset, I think I've got that across without literally being upset. Um, you know, explaining why this upsets women and people in general as a ruling and what it means for people, I suppose, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, what we said at the beginning, I, I want to reiterate, is that we, we always do put our point of view forward, but hopefully it's done in a thoughtful way, in a respectful way. Don't expect people to... Um, agree with us about everything we've said there um but hopefully it's there's some there's some arguments there to think about uh when we're talking about the you know this it's a difficult subject basically wanted to make it complicated because if you are coming yeah. out from a deontological yeah. opinion of yeah. this is right this is wrong da, 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 done dusted kind of just wanted to put the effort in to make it not simple and yeah. to realize that there's a lot of implications and a lot of other things going on here. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Thank you. 
Um, just before we go, there, there's a couple of little housekeeping things that I just need to mention um, because it's the timing of it, really. Um, so this week, um, I've just come from the International Cultic Studies Association, ICSA, um, conference. And um, I was one of the speakers there. So I, I think it went well. People seem to uh, respond very well to it. I wanted to say thank you to the ICSA for a really, really interesting and uh, yeah, great conference, really. It was really, really good. Um, and I've, um, I'm going to do this with um, three guests. Uh, I won't name the guests just in case any of them drop out, but they are, well, they should be known to you, I think, as an audience. Um, two former guests and, and another special guest that we're going to have on who all attended the conference. So we're going to do a little review of the ICSA conference. So that's something I'm really excited about, and hopefully that will come out within the next week or so. Um, I also wanted to mention that the we, we've started to do Zoom meetups for patrons. So this is for patrons only. But obviously, a lot of patrons listen to the podcast for obvious reasons. If you're not a patron and you want to be a part of that, then you know become a patron. It's only a pound a month or a dollar fifty a month to become a patron, and you can join in the Zoom calls. So um, it would be great to have you if you wanted to come to that. We tend I'm trying to do it once a month now, so uh, just wanted to mention that. And very briefly, um, I've launched a new podcast called Cults on Film, which is just my little project um and i suppose we we have done reviews of films and stuff so it's a bit like that but it's just more of a scripted podcast that looks at various different films and tv shows that feature cults or cultic relationships so far i've there's three of them out there there's one about star trek and the borg which i know rings a lot of bells with people there's one, The Invisible Man, which is all about coercive control. And the third one is Apostasy, mm. which obviously ex-Jehovah's Witnesses will be very familiar with the story of um, of, of what it, life as, as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, so, yeah, I've um, that, that's that's it, really. They're the, they're the announcements I just wanted to make before we finish. Lovely stuff. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um, obviously, if you want to give us some feedback and talk to us, then... By all means, hope you have found that interesting and respectful and thoughtful. Um, and thank you again for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production. 